Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to hear some of the best conversations that have taken place recently on JM in the AM. Ashley Blaker, who is in New York now from London for a uh, performance run that goes until the 27th of June, is a, a very funny comedian who joined us at JM the AM one morning last week and uh, treated us to uh, a really interesting conversation. Ashley Blaker from a recent edition of JM the AM here on JM Rewind at the Nachum Siegel Network. In studio this morning, and by the way, you can watch this entire encounter right now on Facebook Live. Go to Nachum Siegel Network on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nachum Siegel Network. Facebook Live is active, and in our studio is Ashley Blaker, apparently the groundbreaking new face of Jewish comedy. And he is in a run right now in Manhattan, uh, that's going to go through June the 28th, and he is visiting us this morning here at JM in the AM. Ashley Blaker, welcome to JM in the Thank AM. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. How like, are you? I'm all right, but I like the way you said apparently. As if you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if it's true, because, but apparent, be, apparently. Because there's an ad There's an ad that says the groundbreaking new face of Jewish oh, right. comedy, but you know how it is these days with all the fake news and the fake advertising. All fake news, exactly. Like, I'm not really a comedian. At all. Is that the case? <laughs> The whole thing's a sham? Exactly. Well, welcome to the show. He's wanted to meet you, Nachum. It's just the, Thank you. you know, I'm this here. is your way of entree to the studio. Brilliant. Exactly. I'm so excited. What a plan. <laughs> you know, there are easier ways to do that. <laughs> but anyway. So, welcome. Thank you very much. Welcome from across the pond. Yeah, thank you. And um, it is amazing. I mean, any uh, any comedian would give, I guess, I don't know, the proverbial right arm to have a, a one-month run in New York City. How did this how did this whole thing come about? That, yeah. you're, that you're sitting at the it's the Jerry Orbach Theater, it's right? The Jerry Orbach, uh, right in the middle of the theater center. Yeah, Broadway and Fiftieth. Been did, there for five weeks. How does this work? How does this come about? So I, I uh, well, I've toured all over the world. I've been doing I've done a couple of tours in the UK and in Israel, South Africa, and I did a few shows in America. I did a, a off Broadway show. Right. Back in December, that was at the Remind Me of the Theater. That was at the Gramercy, right? And I heard 23rd. that was very successful. Yeah, yeah, sold yeah. out. Sold out, and uh, we just thought, you know, want to come for a longer period. I want to be able to spend some time here and actually uh, get more people to come and see me. And, and uh, yeah, that's the fun. I, I, it's really also it's just really fun to do something you get into every night. And uh, you meet different people every night. It's just such a fun experience to do something like that. And how many shows have there been in this run so, so far? So far, we're three in. So we're uh, three into uh, a 35, 35 show, show run. run. Yeah, yeah. And how would you evaluate those three? Did they go well? They were great. They were really great fun. I mean, they, they were. it's just so interesting to see what kind of people come along. Well, do you stick and, around to meet the people? Oh, afterwards? for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stick around. Last night, I made up part of a minion. <laughs> for Maru? Yeah, for Maru. How many co- how many comedians you go and see in the city? And uh, you know you don't you don't go and see Hamilton and the Lin Manuel Miranda comes out <laughs> and uh, starts dubbing. I wanted to dub from the Omid, but somewhere got there first. I, I I would think you'd have uh, you'd have uh, Kadimus over there. Well, you know, well, thought, it's your show. Exactly, but there can't be a Chiv, surely. <laughs> like an Ovals coming to my show, but I don't know. Someone someone said Kaddish after. I didn't. Someone I didn't grabbed the Omid. That would be a routine. In and of itself, know, huh? exactly. So it went well, and these these three shows were sold out. 
Uh, yeah, it is it a fun. large theater? Like what's no? The... It's, I mean, off, so off Broadway is like is under uh, is under five hundred. This is a right. two hundred seat theater, so it's a nice size. Um, so it always feels pretty full or right. whatever. And it's always um, one show per day. You're not doing two. I'm a doing day. no. I am. I'm doing two. I did two on Sunday. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I started on Sunday. Well, I've lost track already. It's Tuesday today, isn't it? Right. So yeah, so I did two on uh, Sunday and one last night, and then I have two shows on Sundays and Wednesdays. So it's kind of exhausting. Wow. And oh. actually, before before this week, before uh, Sunday, I'd never done that before right. and it's quite a long show it's like 90 minutes long so performing for three hours it's quite exhausting I can imagine so this yeah. Wednesday you're doing a matinee and I'm doing a matinee I Wednesday. literally could take off from work in the middle of the day and go see you this Wednesday you you could do and you but should do but it's sold out already I guess well I don't know I don't know I'd have to check about that I'm kidding anyway so um, it, are all the shows similar are all the shows the same are they scripted are they if I go Wednesday morning will I see the same show Wednesday night yeah pretty I mean pretty much and you right. know what's really funny and people, is that required on off-Broadway or no 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 to stick to a script but. no but I mean I you know it's, it's really funny because people I often get this people say to me like in quite a like sniffy type way as if it's a bit like a criticism kind of tacit criticism does it to me what you, you do the same show but you're gonna go well, everybody yeah does I mean, why shouldn't i do the same you don't go to hamilton and like the next night they're doing different songs and you get a phantom of the opera and go oh they're doing a different song tonight like and it's really weird people say it though let me, oh, let me bit guess lazy in it L- let me guess were those comments coming from our community i was gonna say jews we're so you know also because i've got a routine about this how you know, you do a show for Jews, right. and straight after, everyone's coming up to you going, here's one for you. You can say this one for you. Which you, don't, you know, you don't go to a Broadway show and then wait for the yeah, actors. It's very funny. Last night, I'm at a wedding, and it was a pretty high-profile wedding, and, and everyone's coming over to me. Oh, you should talk about this tomorrow morning. Yeah. You should do this tomorrow morning. Mention this tomorrow morning. You know? Know. Exactly. Why do we don't, They're I like don't, our writers. I know. I don't go see a dentist in shul and say, oh, you know what? I I think you shouldn't do a root canal. I saw, I saw your... Uh, I saw... Paul Cohen's uh, mouth the other day, and I, I didn't think the uh, gold filling suited him. You should have done enamel. Why? Why are they criticising? Don't give me. I don't need your feedback. You know. But also, they. Um, like yesterday, actually, I turned up a little bit later than I had on Sunday for the show. Like yeah. I turned up like half an hour before, and there were already quite a few people there. Right. Jews get there early because they want a good parking space. Right. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> right. and one guy said to me. But as I was walking in, he said, um, let me just, I've got a good joke for you. He was telling me before I'd even gone in. Normally, at least That's they wait till unbelievable. after. unbelievable. I'll tell you. Ashley Blaker is here. Is there a percentage that comes to your show that's not Jewish? Um, yes. I mean, I think there will. I mean, the truth is, in terms of this show, uh, this show is very much aimed at Jews. Right. So it's been advertised only in the Jewish world, right. really. Uh, and it is unashamedly a Jewish show. But if a non-Jew would walk by the Jerry Orbach Theater and there'd be a ticket yep. available, would they appreciate exactly. the show or I not? think so. I mean, I think so. I think that, I'll be honest, I think they would appreciate mm, 80% of it. Right. And then there'd be the percentage. There's always just that percentage that just goes over your head where you just go, oh, I don't know what that word is. Right. And that's the trouble. Whereas I, I'm doing, after this, I'm going to the Edinburgh Festival. Uh, in in the UK, which is a big arts festival, I'm there for a month doing a show that is aimed at non-Jewish people. Right, there so will it, not be any Jewish references. Oh there. no, it'll be all the same, a lot of the same material, but uh, it's it's been translated into their Lushen. Right. That's the fun. <laughs> I.e., I wouldn't use the word Lushen. Right. Um, likewise, I've got a, a BBC show starting on um, uh, Sunday called Ashley Blaker's Goyish Guide to Judaism, and so it's me taking a lot of this material. But explaining it to the non-Jewish All right, so we gotta market. do we gotta do a couple of things here. Ashley Blaker's here. the The show is called Strictly Unorthodox, right? Yep, that's right. Oh, sorry about that. Strictly Unorthodox, and uh, at Jerry Orbach Theater for the next month. Yep. 
Um, number one, I assume you're familiar with the with the Jew Gentile routine of people like Jackie Mason. Yeah, right? yeah, you, yeah, you know yeah, all yeah, those. Yeah, 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 yeah. I assume you're also familiar with the Balchuva routine of people like Mark Wiener, Marvin mm-hmm, Silberman, mm-hmm, right? You, you mm-hmm. know all these yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, you're yeah, familiar yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. First of all, may I ask if yeah. if in fact you are you are somebody who we call from from birth or not? You know what? That is the nicest thing you, anyone has ever said to me, Nachum. Because it's that you should know that, I'm, as you, I'm sure you know, is that all ballet to shiver, the things that they aspire to more than anything else. It's to be an is FFB. For people, yeah, it's for people to think they're an FFB. Well, so the I'll, fact that you've had to ask me is such a compliment. Well, I must be doing something right. I appreciate that. To be honest with you, though, when I read your when I read your, your history yeah. of what you've done in British television and entertainment, I said, okay, there's no way in the world well, he started out from. Well, also, my name's Ashley. So <laughs> <Good point. laughs> like, well, I'm not Nachum right. Blake. Right, understood. But there are people. People, you know, there are people who who are from from birth. I know, have, I know who exactly have, who have uh, you know I gentile know. sounding. Exactly. Names. The annoying thing is, is that uh, um, in a, in the United States, Ashley is normally a, a female name, right. and now which is really annoying. So I spend my entire life. Uh-huh. People saying to me, "Why have you got a woman's name?" That would actually be a good routine. Yeah. Well, the things also my, in my show, I go to a very from show. And uh, in they, what neighborhood are you in? in? I live in Edgware in northwest London. Okay. And um, they ref- it's one of those shows where they refuse to acknowledge anyone's uh, kind of Gentile, non uh, right. you know, Hebrew name. They won't refer your to you name. as Ashley. So, no. So, I, I get my shul membership dues coming a letter to Mr. C. Blaker, which stands for Hanan. And uh, it was brilliant, though, because my rabbi thinks my name's Hanan. So if I say, I can say anything I like on stage, it'll never get back to him. Because <laughs> if somebody says, oh, Ashley Blake has said something terrible, he'll go, I don't know Ashley Blake. I know Hanan Blake, and maybe he's a relative. <laughs> Very good. How long have you been in the, in the fold, so to speak? In the uh, fold of, uh, what, in Jew- I've been Jewish all my life. You mean from, yeah. uh, from uh, oh, 18 years or so, quite, quite, quite a while. I think long enough. And you, to- picked, and you picked up the lingo pretty quickly, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I went on a course. Really? And uh, they said, they said, look, don't if you want to fit in, don't ever say, you know, well done to somebody. Congratulations. You just got to say, <laughs> and everything else. Right. Don't ever say, you know, I'm going to Nachum Siegel. You got to say, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm at Nachum Siegel, and uh, just say annoying things like that, and you'll be fine. People will, people will think you're the real. We don't kid. realize what we do, huh? Yeah, we don't really. We need it, people exactly. like you to point to that. Exactly. <laughs> All right. it, keep, it keeps me in work. So, so you're, you're so you're a young, aspiring, I assume, actor, comedian, entertainer. That's and, an, you compliment me and, all the time. Young well, no, as well. I'm going back now in yeah, time. Okay. And how does this begin? Right? How does it start that you're that oh, I mean, that BBC and all? Yeah, these... I, I, it's ama- It's genuinely like an, a real amazing story of like hashkacha pratis. You know, it really is one of those things that I, sometimes I speak in front of uh, students and I do a bit of kirov work sometimes, and it's really one of the things that genuinely inspires me is that I was I was at university I'd left university I'd, I was doing an incredibly dull PhD and I wanted to find a job couldn't I didn't even know what to do and I went out well your uh, expertise was in what I was my expertise was in um 17th century Christian theology seriously seriously wow I mean this is like this is as far removed from right. where I am now and uh, I didn't have any idea what to do and I went out one evening for a drink to the pub that's such a British thing to do mm-hmm. with a couple of school teachers I had from my high school and I was saying I don't know what to do uh, for work this was a Thursday evening and one of the teachers said to me uh, why don't you look in something called the media guardian I didn't even know what this was like Variety like, magazine. What, what is it? He said it's the newspaper, The Guardian. It's yeah. one of our big newspapers, big broadsheet. 
quite left wing, not the kind of paper we read in our house. And uh, he said that on a Monday, thought it was a Monday, wasn't sure Monday or Tuesday, there's a supplement about the media and stuff, and they have jobs in it. So literally four days later, I bought the media Guardian. I bought the Guardian for the first time. There was a supplement. I opened it, and there was a job in there that's advert that said, do you have funny bones? The BBC needs trainee producers. And... I bought it and started ten. I uh, applied and uh, started work ten weeks later. And I didn't even. I had never bought the paper ever before. I'd never even heard of it uh, four days earlier. I bought it every week for the next ten weeks, and I didn't even apply for one other job because there was nothing ever suitable ever again. That advert was only in there for one week only, and it changed my life. And they offered you the job. They offered me the job. How long were you there? And well, the other amazing thing is, it was a six-month contract, right? And there was no guarantee of being kept on. And about one week before I was about to start, I bumped into somebody who I was at high school with, but who I'd fallen out of touch with a little bit, uh, who's a big, famous comedian now in the UK called Matt Lucas. Yeah. And uh, who's in Doctor Who and, and Bridesmaids and things like that. Big, big star in the UK. And I bumped into him and he said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just about to start this job at the BBC. And he said, oh, I've got this idea, we, you know, me and my friend, we've got an idea we could do, for, we really want to do a sketch show. And I said, oh, well, I, I need to do something. Let, why don't we, do, let me do something with you. And we developed the show, we piloted it three, literally like three months later, and it became the biggest selling sketch show in the history of British comedy. It's been played in 154 countries. Uh, and so, um, would I get the comedy as an American? Would I understand? Yeah, I, th- I think so. But I get it, it. it. I'd but enjoy it. it. But but we, uh, it's amazing because we could have bumped into each other at right. any time in three years, right. and here we were bumping into the time that at the time it would have made the biggest difference. And then I was actually I was mostly kind of producing and writing, and then about a, f- a few about four or five years ago, I got a phone call one day or an email actually from a rabbi in uh, London who I didn't know very well. But he emailed me and said, is there any way you would come and speak at our Malava Malka? Mm. And I said, I don't, you know, why are you asking me? I'm not a rabbi. You know, what am I going to say? And he said, no, I think it's quite interesting that you work with all these famous comedians and you work with Russell Brand and all these different kind of famous people like that. And James Corden and John Oliver, people that Americans would have heard of. And uh, But you walk around wearing, you know, a black hat. and At what point did that, did that happen? At that happened, that this... happened only a few years after I did, just about a year or so after I started work. What did your colleagues the, say? At, I think they thought I was kind of crazy. But did it they, affect your relationship with them? Or not your... really, because they, they, it's really interesting. They, they respect, if they respect you, right. it doesn't make any difference. So the work atmosphere was fine? The work atmosphere is fine. But he, they just found it really... But I would assume that industry is very big raises, in the Saturdays, Friday it ra- nights. It raises all kinds of issues, which I talk about in my show. It raises issues with working on Shabbos. Yeah, I mean, it raises issues. I, I've got a long routine about the issues I have with uh, people, women trying to shake my hand, right. or women trying to hug me and kiss me. and I've got a whole, uh, uh, whole thing about this and um and that's why he wanted me to come and talk about this and i said okay you know what i'll give it a go i didn't even i didn't ask for any money i was yeah. uh, i was i didn't think he, he gave me a <laughs> bottle of whiskey but that was it anyway i turned up so i went to this malava market and and everyone was really interested in it and i kept getting asked to do these things and every time i did it I, it was a bit like it's quite addictive getting uh the, the public, laughs the public yeah no, the laughs right. yeah it was really i really enjoyed that and every time i did it it became a bit funnier and eventually i thought you know what why don't i Get rid of the stender, get rid of the talk, and I'll, I'll grab a mic and I'll turn this into stand-up. And so I've been, and basically over the last couple of years, that's almost the production and the writing has just fallen by the wayside. Right. And so you're just, still, and you're still doing the other stuff. You're still I, writing. I, I, it's, 
I do when I have time, but right. I'm just performing nonstop now. Right. So it's kind of just completely taken over. I found completely, right. you know, by serendipity, right. by hashgacha pratis, whatever you want to call it, I found like this hole in the market. Ashley Blaker is here. By the way, your tickets are available on Ticketmaster. People could also buy it at the box Ticket office. Ticketmaster, box 212 Jews love a, love a bargain. Yeah, they of love course. a discount. So it's, it is cheaper to call the uh, box office yeah. than to buy on Ticketmaster because you avoid their fees, right. Ticketmaster fees. Two, and I'm sure Ticketmaster will be thrilled that you said this. 212 Your next show is tonight or tomorrow night? It's tonight, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. tonight. So I perform, I perform Sunday through Thursday, right. twice on Sunday, twice on Wednesday, and then I have obviously Friday night and uh, Saturday night off. Now, let's go back for a second. I know you're saying that people respect you. I get the whole thing, and you can imagine how many people over these decades I've spoken to who've been in situations yep. like yours. Nonetheless, yeah. there are challenging situations oh, that sure. come up. Of course. Where when it's 4 p.m., or in London, it could be actually 9, yeah, yeah. 9 p.m. also, yep. because right now yeah, t- yeah. candle lighting in London is exactly. really, really late. Yep. But when it's 4 p.m. in the winter, and or 3 p.m., and you've got to get out of there, there are times, even in your industry, yep. some people will be shocked to hear, where there are emergencies, there are you know yep. pressing issues, yeah, yeah. things have to be done. I mean, there have to be yeah, times yeah. where where you are under tremendous pressure not to pull this Sabbath shtick with us, yeah. you know, this time. I know exactly, but I, I think if you're doing it, that's what you say. This time, once you, if you just do it once, then it doesn't really. Right. It kind of seems like. But they saw you were committed. But when you see someone's committed, the truth is, this again is one of those things where being in charge. Being the producer, being right. the main man is helpful because whole, I've organized entire shows, BBC shows around me. Um, Fuse Guy was doing a show based around the uh, Soccer World Cup and it was a topical show because it was about the current games and it went out on a Saturday night. And normally if a show is topical, you'd probably record it on Friday night and it would go out on Saturday. Right. And we recorded it on a Thursday, so it was like one additional day out of date just for me. So, it, it all, the whole, so the 60 the million whole, people in the UK just, suffer due to say, me. The entire British <laughs> yeah. world suffered because of you. you. And that's, that's great. It's that's unbelievable. That's, that's as it should be. That's great. <laughs> that's the way it should <laughs> yeah. be. That's pretty unbelievable, <laughs> frankly. Um, so the uh, so this and, and so all of this has become – and by the way, I would assume that there are challenges when it comes to food, right? Food, people are always course, par- yeah. partying constantly yeah. around you, right? In the exactly. very, plus, on top of that, it's the entertainment world. Exactly. It, you know, it's not always the most. How do we put this? Modest or or proper? Exactly. Uh, you know, etiquette in exactly. in that world, this, exactly. despite the Me Too movement, right? It's yeah, still yeah. it's still. Not- I, I say in my show, you know, there are um, there are men in there are men in entertainment who are getting in trouble at the moment for having been too handsy. Correct. I offend women by not being handsy enough. Right. Everyone's always getting annoyed with me because I refuse to hit the hand. You would think they I'm, would, the, I'm the other way around. Right. You would think that would, they would be understanding and, and exactly. exactly and that they'd have a measure of respect exactly. because you you yeah. have that respect for them. Exactly. But they don't look at it as it's respect. Funny. It's really it funny. It's really strange, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Someone pointed out to me with Vice President Pence where he refuses to have lunch with a woman uh, or a meal with a woman unless his wife is there or a third person is there. Mm. And and they said that's so you know that's so archaic, etc. And, and they said no, it's a it's a again because of this yep. what you just described, but they don't yeah, yeah. get that. No, so I had a whole routine talking about all the different kinds of methods I've used over the years uh, to try and get around these right. issues. Um, but yeah, these are the kind of issues that it's really great to perform, particularly for a from crowd right. who will sit there and go, "Wow, this is my life as well." And there's that real recognition because I don't know if there's been really a comedian before talking about these things. 
because they've been like a comedian who's been in those situations. So right. it doesn't matter whether you work in the entertainment industry or whether you work in you know accountancy or law or whatever it is, you find yourself in these situations. Ashley Blaker is here. Now, are there shows... I, I would assume you're familiar with the BBC and, and England shows, English shows that... That show up on American television. Yeah, I guess. Are um, there any yeah. you worked on that ended up here that, that we would um, be familiar with? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, as I say, Little Britain was a show, the big shows that, that was on here. And, and, that made and, it here in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, uh, But I worked with Graham Norton, who was on BBC America, who is on BBC America, and also had a series which um, I was on, uh, worked on on, on uh, Comedy Central. Right. And I, was wor- I used to write his monologue every day. Uh, but I've worked with James Corden, obviously, who does the uh, He seems show. like a really nice guy. He is. He's a very, very nice guy. Did you see um, the routine of him shopping? Uh, or actually oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being the a checker yeah, yeah. in a kosher supermarket? Yeah, yeah. He so he's from quite a religious background. He's not religious himself, but his father, I think, was a um, was a, a Christian book salesman. Interesting. He was driving around the country. Um he, he told me he was one of the, his father was one of those people who had those little fish on the car, <laughs> one of those, um, and he was always embarrassed by it. that. That proves yeah, that yeah. proves you're from. Yeah, that's from that's from that's like having that's like having a six one three email address. That's like one of those things you do to go, hey, look at me. Very I'm, good. I'm <laughs> I have a whole routine about this because that's one of those things that drives me mad. The people who had to go, yeah, I'm. Uh, what's your email? Oh, it's actually Blake at six one three at gmail dot com. Oh, you're Jewish. I didn't realize. If you hadn't, if you hadn't have told me. You're six one three, you know. <laughs> I never would have realized. Yeah, I wouldn't have realized. The only time that's successful is if you go to register at Gmail and discover there are six hundred and twelve people with your name. <laughs> right. That was <laughs> fine. Go, yeah, yeah, there were six hundred and twelve <laughs> Nachum Siegels, so I I'm the six hundred and thirteenth. Um, so are you going to visit him, James Corden, while you're in New York? Well, he's in that? L.A., so they, uh, they film that in L.A. Uh, John Oliver, though, who who I, I've worked with as well, who yeah. films here. And, and yes, it's great. It's it's um, the teenagers British. love him. I see the young people really like John Oliver. Yeah, there was a th- actually there was a feature about me in uh, the New York Post uh, the weekend that said that I looked and sounded like him. It, it, well, you certainly uh, uh, sound like him. You really sound like him, right? But I I I thought that was doing one of us a disservice. I think him by saying I look <laughs> like him. But no, I messaged him and said, "Hey, this will cheer you up. I I you look like me." <laughs> was he happy or you? Yeah, sure? it said it said it said John. Imagine John Oliver with a Yamulka. That's what they said. That's, that's what the New York Post says. <laughs> Unbelievable. Ashley Blaker is here. And by the way, uh, you've offered, and at some point this week, we're going to take advantage of your offer for some free tickets for our listeners. Great. So I thank you very much for that. And we'll, uh, and we'll do that. What do you think of the royal wedding? Uh, well, the royal wedding passed me by because it was on Shabbos. Right. Not only was it on Shabbos, it was at the start of a three-day yomta, right. so it couldn't even. Right. So, but it, like three days later, after right. Shavuos was out the way, it was days, kind of forgotten. About. It, yeah. yeah. You know, are they divorced already? I mean, like, you know. <laughs> I mean, you'd think, uh, uh, the truth is, if this would have happened 20, 30, 40 years ago, like with Prince's Dye's wedding, yeah. it would stick around for a week or two. But in the way right. things work these yeah, days, exactly. it is out of the news cycle so quickly. Exactly. Um, so I would have guessed that there were no Orthodox people at the uh, at the ceremony because no, it was would, uh, it was exactly, Shabbos. Exactly. You'd think they'd be a little bit more considerate, the, I, the royal family. I no? think it's, yeah, it, it, they've gone down in my estimation for that. <laughs> because, but in all seriousness, yeah. If 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 uh, let's say for argument's sake it would have been on a weekday, right? Am I right that someone like Rabbi Sachs would likely have been invited, and the chief rabbi would likely have been invited, or, um, or possibly? Yeah, or no, possibly. Know? No, 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 possibly. I mean, look, you know, the chief rabbi, quite very possibly, right. Rabbi Mervis, and Rabbi Sachs is like as as close to royalty as they get. Right. Um, exactly. You know, I had the pleasure of making a video with uh, Rabbi Sachs recently for Purim, and he's a uh, 
an incredible man. Quite he had a quote so. about you. Yeah. He had a quote about you. A unique and hilarious take on Jewish life, he said. Well, if Rabbi Sachs says it, it must be true. Because this, this, is, this is... I mean, Soon this, he'll be writing a book about you. Then you'll know, know you really made it. Exactly. I mean, I, well, I did... I, I, I was filming with him, and he kept going upstairs to uh, carry on his translation of Shamos. Wow. And I thought, wow, I'm, I'm just writing a comedy show. You're wow. rewriting Shamos. You know, like, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't yeah. waste a minute, huh? Yeah, exactly. He's, this, is, this is someone on another level. So I can't guarantee he would have gone to the royal wedding anyway because he might right. have still been deep in the middle of Taruma or Mishpatim or whatever. Right. So, yeah. yeah, his editor lives across the street from here, and I always think I have an in to you know, get him in here, but boy, you know, he, he, to, to get him just to spend five, ten minutes yeah. He considers it very, very carefully because yeah. his time is so precious. Um, wouldn't it be a great routine? And again, in this case, in all seriousness, I'm not trying to insult you. You may not be as familiar with what's happening on this side of the world. But I think the differences in the Jewish community between Great Britain and the United States would be mm-hmm. an interesting analysis. Do you see a lot of do, – do you see things among the Americans you're meeting now that is slightly different than, than the way things work in the Jewish community back home? Yeah, there's a few things, but the, the, the most reassuring thing is how and, – and kind of funny and also at some point quite sad – is how incredibly similar we are. Really? We're Jews across the world, we're just exactly the same. I mean, I, I, I had this routine about really bad parking and like – um, people treble parking, uh, which I did originally in the UK, talking about like Golders Green or Stamford Hill and what right. have you. And someone put it online, and I just had people messaging me going, "Wow, I thought that was just Crown Heights. Yeah. I thought that was just Borough Park and Thirteenth Avenue and Thirteenth right. Avenue." And people in in Beit Shemesh <laughs> messaging me going, "I thought that was just around Beit Shemesh. <laughs> I thought that was just my town." And I got this routine again, which uh, uh, is in my show, but some people may have seen it online, talking about the Jewish obsession with sushi, right? And again, like people it's like saying, that in England, also. Yeah, you can't go. You go to a shiver, and they're bringing out sushi. <laughs> right. Where's and, the sushi? You and know? you go to a pizza shop, and they're you go to a pizza. Sushi. I talk about this. I talk about in the show. You know, Pete. When no, what I don't mind it being sushi restaurants, but what pizza and sushi <laughs> don't go together. You've never heard any Italian saying, right. "Hey, a Luigi." <laughs> That's my that's my Italian. Yes, I, I hey, a Luigi, roll me a yellow tail nigiri like Mama used to make. You know, that's not... Those, those are two... Italian and Japanese don't belong together. I don't know how we, as a people, well, we've, we've come up with this unique combination. You know, like how in the, in the non-Jewish world, like, and I think, again, they do this in, in the United States as well as the UK, so like key cutting right. and shoe repair, for right. some reason. Always together, in the same place. Even though they don't seem to have any right. relationship. That's like pizza and sushi, but right. it's really weird. So anyway, so I talk about this. And people go, wow, I just thought that was just New York. I thought that was just L.A. I thought that was just Eric Israel, wherever. And, yeah, so the <laughs> things that I talk about, what's great and reassuring, and also, say, when you talk about parking or different things, quite right. is that we're, we're, we're the same. You know, Jews come up to you and say, try and tell you a joke or try and say, hey, you know, I've got a better routine for you. You, you should, you want to <laughs> oh, do this. Everywhere. Oh, exactly. That's everywhere. This is what you, <laughs> or can you get my son a job at the BBC? <laughs> Can you get my granddaughter a job at the BBC? You know, it's this is Jews. We are the same. We are the greatest. We are, yeah, and we're the same everywhere. Uh, Facebook Live right now. Go to facebook.com slash Nahum Single Network to see this live. My conversation with Ashley Blaker, who visits us here in New York. His show is called Strictly Unorthodox. Runs now through Thursday, June the 28th at the Jerry Orbach Theater in the center of Manhattan. Go to the box office or call the box office at 212 921 Seven eight six two two one two nine two one seven eight six two. Are people as obsessed as we think with the royal family where you come from? And is the Jewish community 
the Orthodox one specifically into that whole thing as well? Um, I think it's. I don't think on the whole, but then something like a, a royal wedding comes right. around and it sparks it, interest. Yeah, right. sparks it. It's a bit like how every four years we have the Soccer World Cup. Right. And some people, obviously, I, I love football and lots of people love football in the UK, soccer. But uh, there's a proportion who it's just when the World Cup comes right. around, suddenly they become the biggest. Right. The uh, fair weather fans. Yeah, Talmud right. Chachem when it comes to, <laughs> right. uh, they to know soccer. Everything, they know everything about and, soccer. And, and the ro- a royal wedding is like that. A right. royal wedding just sparks it off. Suddenly everyone's really interested about who's walking her down the aisle. Right. And yeah, it was fun so, so news for a while. On, so on the three-day antif, in Shul Shabbos morning, were people talking about it, do you think? No, not? No, well, not in my Shul. Not in no, no, I'll tell you, no my, my Shul is something else. <laughs> I mean, my Shul, like, yeah, it just... It, because obviously, like in in the more um, mainstream right. authors, not quite so meshugah from as Michael, they'll they'll obviously get up and say like the prayer for the royal family. Right. We have to pray for the royal family. That you, like, that you would uh, not do in your shul. Not in would my they, Would they say a prayer for the state of Israel in your shul? The somebody um, somebody put up one of those uh, adverts on the board in that's my an, shul. That's an announcement, advertisement. Uh, yeah. an, an advertisement, right. uh, like a, a poster for uh, SIM cards for Israel. So right. you get your Israel, Israeli SIM card. Right. And someone had graffitied it and put up the word Eretz in before the Israel. Get your Eretz Israeli SIM cards. That's the kind of shul I go to. No, it's definitely Tachanan on Yom Asma in my shul. Yeah. So I see you're right. Jews are the same around the yeah, world. Exactly, exactly. Ashley Blaker is here. Uh, are you into sports outside of football? Yeah, uh, outside of soccer. Yeah, I mean, I like America. I do like enjoy American sports. I, I hope to go to a baseball game while I'm here. And I the reason I, and I'm asking this, day out. I'm asking this for a selfish reason, frankly, yeah, because I'm Cholamoid uh, Pesach. Mm-hmm. I'm with my boys at Yankee Stadium. Right. It was very cold. It was a freezing Pesach this year here. A relatively. Speaking. I was here for a couple of days. Of oh, Pesach, yeah? actually. Yeah. So it was not great weather. And we're sitting next to this couple, and they're uh, and and. I notice that they are speaking with with an accent that sounds like yours. Right. Okay. And I say to them, "What you know?" They said that we are we watch American baseball in England, and we said we just have to fly to the United States. The Cody Yankee Stadium was. So I said, first of all, this is really brave and courageous of you that in this weather you decided you decided to do it now and not in August. But yeah, they were there from Great Britain, right? Wow, just to enjoy a game, and of course, thank goodness, uh, in their close, the Yankees won, right? But <laughs> yeah, I don't know many people who watch baseball, but um, yeah, that's strange. I, I don't even know where it's on in the UK. But like, they, the, was the NBA game big in the UK last night or it, not? Um, I'm not sure where, again, even where they should show. I think you can see it somewhere. Oh, some, so one of some like of the, the cable. Some right, of the, so it's like, not like they're really no, into it. No, no, not at all. I mean, soccer all. dominates. Soccer is like so dominant, and it's there's just nothing incredible. Else. There is, but. Soccer is so big. Give me one of the. Give me one of the sports. Well, we play cricket, so like uh, cricket's like our. But that's like the summer right. game. And they do pay um, attention to it or not? The, inter, the what they call test matches, which is where the country, right. like England, play against other teams. So like it's all Commonwealth countries that play cricket. So it's uh, also not Canada. So uh, so South Africa and Australia and India and West Indies and Pakistan. They're the big cricket countries. Uh, people like other sports, motor racing. Right. Uh, uh, sports like that tennis right. particularly particularly when again wimbledon. it's like wimbledon suddenly everyone becomes incredibly have knowledgeable you been to wimbledon? i've not been to wimbledon you have any interesting I, I, i'm just not, not a for huge fan of of right. uh there, there are right. other sports in, like. in order to be a sketch writer and yep. again i assume this is something you still you know yeah, yeah. you take up you have to really be up to date on everything that's going I know, on but i'm not at all so i somehow right. i mean yeah i i somehow i just bluff 
I wrote a brilliant sketch the other day about I mean, Ronald don't you, Reagan. Don't you need to know the latest movies, the latest expressions, yeah. the latest you know social media? Yeah, yeah. I just make it up. What did you do with Reagan? Sorry. What did you do with Reagan? You said. I said I wrote a great sketch the other day about Ronald Reagan. And Margaret. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's still the president, isn't he, Reagan? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, similar. Similar, but, uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All you have to do is dust down your Reagan jokes. Go, yeah, these are, uh, no one will notice and uh, replace with Trump. Uh, are they fascinated at home by who our president of the United oh, States is? Of course. Is? I mean, he's just uh, and comedy they, gold, isn't he? And they he, follow so? him. Yeah, I think he's. Um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, he, how can you not? It's if just, he's comedy gold, who's comedy gold in Great Britain? Is your prime minister comedy gold or, or um, others? Not really. I think I think the world is fat. The world is just on tenterhooks. They're on the edge of their seat, I'm, I'm afraid to say, with Trump. Right. Uh, kind of what's he going to say now? And also, because it's all by Twitter. Because right. he, like, he, he, it's not like in the past, you know, things would happen behind the scenes. He just gets a, a thought comes right. into his head and he's tweeting it. Do you tweet? You never know what. I do tweet a little bit. I'm much bigger on Facebook than I am on, on Twitter. I, 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 uh, that's Are you doing Facebook updates from here while you're here in America? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So people yeah, yeah. can get information and see yeah, what you yeah, thought yeah. about certain shows. Yeah, yeah. Have you met any uh, well-known people over the last three shows, your first three in New York? Uh, well-known people. Like somebody we would have heard of that came over to you uh, after the show. No, it's been – they can't get to me. Like none of my the... cousins walked up to you right, and said, exactly. hey, I'm not Exactly. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's just a whole – it's a relentless stream of people saying – so you uh, you live in Edgeware? Do you know my? Right. Do you know this guy from Golders Green? I was in Yeshiva thirty years ago with this man, and well, his grandson what? lives in Golders Green. Do you what know did, him? What did I say to you when I introduced to the Yoni Pollock? Yeah, right? exactly. First no. thing, who do you know from Houston? Right? I know, but what brilliant thing you said to me? Who do you know from Houston? I mentioned someone. He goes, "Oh, that his mother was my teacher." Right. That's brilliant. <laughs> that is Jewish geography, like. In, Nobody in a can lose when you play Jewish Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right? That's brilliant. What a, uh, you said there's no way you know someone from Houston. I knew the I knew the son of his teacher. That's pretty good. Unbelievable. I'll tell you, that is pretty remarkable. Uh, where do you stay when you're here? Are you holed up in a hotel somewhere, I'm, like all you performers? No, I got an Airbnb. But I mean, ah. like, uh, I mean, well, I shouldn't give away my exact no, location. Don't do that, no, right? I'm in Murray Hill. I'm, I don't matter. I'm on 39th and Lexington, basically, around that area. So, yeah, yeah so it's, uh, it's uh, narrows it down. It's great. I really really like it i love being in the center of town and you have um, a family or not uh no i'm my family are at home right. so um my the wife me- is really uh <laughs> got her hands full because got six kids can i know she's very supportive and uh, she's very supportive um say the least. people say it's really funny i did a interview the other day on uh on the bbc on uh, radio two and i just mentioned i got six kids and they went wow you've got six kids and i said no that's nothing I said, in the, it's just like currency conversion. You know, like it's like $2 to the pound or whatever, $1.50. I said, in the from world, right, in the Jewish world, it's three kids to one kid in the outside world. right? So essentially, we've only got, we've got two kids. Like my, I, this is totally true, I promise you, right? My wife went to a uh, chasna, right? She went to a wedding in Stamford Hill. And she's sat next to this lady and the lady said to her, how many children do you have? And she said, oh, I've got six. And she looked at her and said, oh, did you have fertility problems? <laughs> Because she's sitting with people who have 11, 12, yeah, and 13. Yeah, they've got 11, 12, like six. Oh, she said, do you start late? <laughs> never. Yeah, never. Oh, only six. <laughs> How'd you meet your wife? Uh, we went on a blind date. And uh, and at that point, you were ready for a month. And uh, No, we became from together. That Seriously? Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. We became from together. Yeah, just after we got married. So, um, yeah. And then it was too late. She couldn't get out. So <laughs> she came with me. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Can't think of it. Where's she from? What area? She's from like London as well. Not grew up not far from me. We probably were in the same kind of places at different times. But, Unbelievable. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, but it is that funny thing with like. See, also, I should you know it's strange that the, I said that story that a woman asked her how many children right. because one of the things that I you know we were talking about before about being about to shiver and things right. you're not prepared for like you should go on a course. I met somebody right when I just become from and I met a guy and I said to him how many children do you have, right. and he said to me oh. Um, he didn't want to. I could see he didn't want to. I said, well, how many? And I said, what? he said, well, uh, n- more than a five aside, but less than a full football team. I said, well, that doesn't narrow it down. What, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? I mean, what? How many shouldn't? I didn't realize there's this thing that, like, you're not meant to. You know, it's funny. I've seen this a lot with grandparents. I haven't seen it yeah. with parents. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a parent not tell me yeah. how many children they have. I've seen it with grandparents. Like, they won't I say, know. you know, uh, you know, like I was at a, I was at a bridge the other day. And I said to the grandfather, just out of curiosity, an old friend of mine, how many grandchildren do you have? He said, oh, I'll tell you is that I was a sandic three times. That's all I'll tell you. Like, so, I was, so I'm guessing, does he have yeah, three yeah. grandsons? Does he have other yeah, granddaughters? Exactly, exactly. It doesn't narrow it down. Those he wasn't a sandic exactly, for. Exactly. Know, he could have 30. I don't know exactly, about you know? Exactly. I say, someone asked me, I, I say, um, more, fewer than the disciples, more than the gospels. <laughs> they go, what? <laughs> that really confuses them. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to begin with that <laughs> equation, frankly. <laughs> Unbelievable. 17th century. Yeah, exactly. What did you call it before? I, it was basically pre-Civil War religion. Pre-British Civil War religion. English Unbelievable. Religion, but yeah. I'll yeah, tell yeah. you. Uh, what an area of study. Exactly. And you actually got a PhD in it? I, You know, I got bored of it, and I wrote it up, and I got a, uh, an MPhil, a Master's of Philosophy, um, because it was just there's only so many 17th century handwritten vestry minutes and church warden accounts you can uh, look at. Where do you, you get even bored. get them? Are they they're, they're like Yeah, no, they're, they're like in libraries, really old libraries. And, and oh. I sat in like Lambeth Palace, which is where the Archbishop of Canterbury is based. Uh, he's like the head of the church in the UK. And uh, yes. yeah, no, this is really this is really stunning. Incredible. So, have big, you been, big have, difference. Have you been to Israel? Oh, you uh, did a Yeah, yeah, I've you... done two tours there. Yeah, right. yeah, I've done two tours, uh, and they're great fun. Israeli audiences are totally different to American Well, audiences. what does that mean? These it's... are Israelis who understand English, obviously. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no. So, for the start, when I perform in, uh, in, in Israel, I'm performing entirely for Anglos. So, it's kind of 50% British, 50% American, uh, or maybe some Canadians right. and Australians. But even though they were originally American, they change when they go there. <gasps> They're totally different. So in America, I'm performing, as we've said many times, right in the center of uh, the theater district. Right. And I've noticed already, I ask people afterwards when they come up to me, I say, oh, where are you from? And they'll travel like a good hour or so. They come from Lakewood, right. and Five Towns, right. Teaneck. You know, people come from Connecticut. Muncie. Uh, Muncie, all over, right? They'll travel for a good hour or so to come to see the show. Israel, completely the opposite. I, people were asking me for ages on Facebook saying, when are you going to come to Israel? When are you going to come to Israel? And then I announced the dates. And then the same people are messaging me going, but when are you coming to Moda Inn? When are you coming <laughs> right. to Moda Inn? I said, it's a 10-minute driveway to go, no, too far. <laughs> and I thought, well, I know if I performed in, in Moda Inn, you'd be going, yeah, but it's not in my street. Right. You know, if I performed in your living room, you'd be going, yeah, but when are you coming to my bedroom? Right. I'm not coming downstairs to right. see you. It's a totally different culture. They won't travel. What do they say? They say in America, 200 years is a long time, and in Israel, 200 miles is a long distance. Yeah. Because it's weird, but it's such a small country. You can drive from one. Correct. I was staying in Herzliya, and I had this uh, American driver was driving me around the country. That's how, how I do it. Right. And uh, for each show. But no, no one will just go A 90-minute commute in Israel is insane. Yeah. 
and and viewed as such. A ninety yeah. minute commute here in New York. Yeah. That, thank God it was only ninety yeah. minutes. You know? but it's great. I've actually met people who happen to be in town, or they were planning a trip, and they thought, oh, they'll tie it in with the show. So on the first night, I met a family, a whole family from Baltimore. Uh, last night, I, I met somebody from uh, Detroit, Michigan. Wow. So the people are coming from all over. Oh, they were in New York for Memorial Day the, weekend. The, right? uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, the people from uh, Baltimore, yes, yeah, they, they saw it advertised. They thought they'd uh, try and uh, tie it in with a, um, a trip. With a trip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's great. People are coming from all over. Silver Springs. Yeah. So, Boy, oh, boy. Yeah. You're like the hottest thing around. It's great. It's really, it's really, it's really, my brother, my brother's, um, people often say to me, is your, I've got one brother. People often say to me, you know, is he from? And I would say, not yet. So that's, <laughs> right. that's what I'd say. He's, he's not from yet. Right. Anyway, so he came, he's had, him and uh, his wife were in, uh, in the city on vacation at the moment. Right. And they came to the show on Sunday night. And my brother, he said he's never seen anything like it. Ladies like in their 60s, these women in shitals and what have you, posing, asking me for photos and posing photos with me. And, and I, will, I don't mind being in a photo right. with, uh, um, I know some people right. say, oh, I just won't be in a photo. Just don't tell anybody you're I, well, Exactly. Just don't, well, it doesn't matter because my rabbi thinks my name's Hanan, right. so it's fine. And um, he said he's just never seen anything like it. He said it's just like, and he just, it is so strange. You've got all the men are over there dovening Marib. The women are posing for photos. Then the men are all coming for photos. Everyone's trying to tell me a joke. It's, it's, you don't see this if you go to the Lion King. Oh, we, this is not. This we is are something one unique. strange people, huh? This is this is. It's worth coming to this show <laughs> just for the unique experience. Yeah, that's the real entertainment, yeah, yeah. right? Watching the I audience. Know. Oh, and you know this is amazing. This is totally true. I had this routine about sushi stores, right? right. They opened about. Two weeks before I start opened, they opened a kosher sushi store, Mummish, next door the entrance. Cafe Eleven. Oh my right? Cafe Eleven just got one down, it's brand down here. New on yeah, Broadway. Brand new. Yeah, it's next it's Mummish next to my entrance. Oh we've got two entrances, Broadway and fiftieth. So they opened it. How did the Japanese sushi chefs know? <laughs> they're spying on us. They knew Jews are coming quickly. Open. Uh, they're doing their research. Oh, I and, guess. They're, and they're offering. I should say this. They're oh, they're because uh, oh. Jews love a, a, a deal. Bargain, we yeah. love a bargain. They um, Cafe Eleven are offering very kindly. Mendy, the owner, is offering an eighteen percent discount for uh, off your check for uh, ticket holders to my show. That's significant. So, so if you've got a if you've got a ticket, you can come and have dinner before. 18% off, can't be bad. That's quite significant. And I was actually really impressed with the... That's uh, so from, isn't it? 18%. That's like having the 613 <laughs> email. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's not offering a 613% discount. Or even 613 18%. And uh, the theatre, I was really impressed with this. Um, they, got, they decided to get... I didn't tell them. They got in kosher wine. So they're selling kosher wine. And it's Mavushal, so you don't even have to worry about them opening. Uh, they're selling kosher wine there, and they've got kosher treats and beer and all the rest of it and soft drinks. So it's great. It's like a proper Because they have this little out. concession, I guess, in the back, right? Uh, they have, no, it's like a foyer, right. you know, where they sell drinks. And normally they sell wine. And uh, they decided to get in kosher wine. And, uh, you know, you've got your Barkin and your Bartonora there or whatever it is. And uh, they're <laughs> selling this. I thought, that's amazing. You can't – you don't go to Dear Evan Hansen or Hamilton and you get a kosher wine. This is amazing. None of our ancestors would believe this, frankly. Nobody would believe yeah, this. Yeah. It's incredible what's going on. Just amazing. By the way, your brother's in what line of work? Just out of curiosity. He is a uh, lawyer. But he's oh. actually what they uh, – It's he's a, like quite senior. He's a QC, Queen's Counsel. Wow. So he's um, – Quite senior. And like, does he get the routine? Does he get the whole oh, thing? Oh, yeah, no, no. He knows the whole Oh, no, I should say, I mean, I don't know how, I'm assuming most of the vast, vast, I mean, 99% of your listeners is pretty from crowd, I would assume. Yeah, certainly. But, I mean, we, we, this show is really written with, I've been through it so that 
not firstly it's so americanized i went through it with such a fine tooth comb that every mobile phone is a cell phone and every pavement is a sidewalk i even for your benefit i even mispronounce some words just so i don't i I say the word garage instead of garage (laughs) i say amenities instead of amenities because i don't want anyone sat there going amenities what's oh amenities it kind of spoils the flow (laughs) but also i've been through the time fine tooth comb to make sure that, like, even, I can't say non-Jewish people, but any Jew, right. even if they weren't, like, super from, would get this. Get you know, it. if you're reform, if you're unaffiliated. And right. I actually, I do get all kinds of people coming. I can imagine, sure. It's, it's I amazing. I would be shocked if there were non-Jews yeah, enjoying yeah. it. Right? No, but even, like, Jews, it's right. amazing. I did a show in, um, in the UK, in Newcastle. And uh, Newcastle's in the northeast of, of England, but it's very near Gateshead, which I'm sure you've heard of. It's like a very the big t- Torah center, big yeshivas and yeah. what have you. And there was this, I did this show there, and there was this in, huge row of all these real stark guys from Gateshead. And then sitting next to them, a woman rabbi from a reform <laughs> shul like 20 miles up the road or whatever. And I, th- and I was so proud because I thought, you know what, you would never see these people together. It's, a, it's, a, it's genuinely a real something I'm really proud of to bring Jews together because these are people you would never see in the same room. Here, and here. it's great to see everyone together laughing and, and enjoying nice. it. So I, I love that. Yeah, that's a great message and a wonderful way of looking at it, that's for sure. Uh, Ashley Blaker, Strictly Unorthodox, through Thursday, June the 28th, Jerry Orbach Theater in New York, twice a day on Sunday and Wednesday. That's right. Wow. Next, sh- next show is tonight. Next show is tonight, Tuesday evening, yep. Um, and two tomorrow. Phone number for information to get your tickets, etc. Yeah, there's two shows tomorrow. What time is the matinee? So the matinee on a Wednesday is two, and on a Sunday is three. Okay. Uh, 212-921-7862. 212 We're actually going to wrap up this conversation with a song by one of your uh, colleagues from the U.K., yeah. You know Eitan Freilich, right? I know Eitan very well. We made a, a, a fun video called Lahodas Lachav. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. I figured it's a good way to wrap up yeah. this uh, Let's conversation. See you know, I play, and I play, some, I play Eitan's CD, actually, at the uh, when people are coming in ah. to the show. And I saw somebody tweeted the other day how amazing it is to go to like a Broadway show and they're playing Jewish music when you're coming in. He said, amazing. that's just such an amazing experience. So, yeah, we play Eitan. The whole thing is really unique and interesting, to say the least. A pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much for having me. Ashley Blaker, a, a historic visit to JM in the AM on this Tuesday morning broadcast. If you want to see the video, no problem. At any point, go to facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. That was my conversation with comedian Ashley Blaker. Up next are by Ruvain Spalter, a very interesting and unique program that comes from Artora Stone and has had a uh, major effect so far and will continue to have a major effect on smaller Jewish communities around the United States. Or by Ruvain Spalter was a recent guest on JM and the AM. Here is that conversation on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Rabbi Ruvain Spalter is with us live via telephone. He is with Artura Stone. Many of you are familiar with the fact that Artura Stone is one of our favorite institutions. Rabbi Riskin and Rabbi Brand are among our favorite Jewish leaders. And Rabbi Ruvain Spalter, who's uh, originally from uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, then served as the rabbi in the Young Israel of Oak Park in Michigan, made Aliyah about 10 years ago and leads one of the most interesting programs we have ever come across, frankly. It is called Amiel Bakihila, and Rabbi Ruvain Spolter is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Spolter, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thanks, Nachum. Great to be with you. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Tadarabah. First of all, 
Could you explain what Amiel Bakihila means? Um, yeah, okay. Amiel Bakihila, as you mentioned, is a division of Or Torah Stone. And it's a program that's funded by Israel's Ministry of Diaspora Affairs. So many people aren't aware that you know, the Minister of Diaspora Affairs is Naftali Bennett. And, um, and there's an entire ministry with a relatively large budget and whose goal is, one of the major goals is to reach out from the state of Israel and to reach out to communities around the world and to bring them closer, to, to engage them about Israel. And there are many, many programs that exist, and the, one of these programs is our program called Amiel Bakihila. And the word, and, and the word Amiel Bakihila, I assume, means in the community. Amiel means? Amiel is a, is a program run by Rabbi Eliel Birnbaum. It's Or Torah Stone's division that trains rabbis and emissaries for <laughs> service in the Jewish communities around the world. Right, Rabbi, so Sp- when, Rabbi Spalter, I'm literally asking you, the word Amiel means what? Amiel, it's the name, Amiel. Uh, that's, that's the name of the program. That, that, is it, I understand what you're saying. It, it, Amiel is, a, we, we asked Rabbi Birnbaum, Amiel is, you know, it's our, our nation of Hashem. Ah, that's what the word means. Okay, that, that, that's, yeah. that's what I meant. Now I get it. I didn't understand the word Amiel. Now I understand. Nation of Hashem and yeah. the Bakila in the community. You know, the, the program is amazing in that uh, we see now, and this happens, as you just pointed out, in so many cases, Baruch Hashem, we see now this amazing outreach that is going on from the state of Israel to other parts of the world. Not that it never happened before. We know that it's always existed from the beginning of the state, but there seems to be such an amazing revolution in that area. It seems to be that there's a real responsibility being taken upon the uh, uh, the rabbis, the government, and and the people of Israel to reach out much more than in the past. Are you getting that feeling? I would absolutely say so. We were sitting, when we started first started this program in February, we were sitting in the office of the Mankal, the director general of the ministry. His name is Dvir Kahana. And he said to us, it was so moving to us, he said, if Israel is the center of the Jewish people, which it is, then Israel has a responsibility for Jewish people around the world. And it's, we have a responsibility to not only bring them closer to Israel, but one of the major goals of Amiel Bakihila is to, is to connect people to their communities. Because the stronger their connection to the community, the stronger they'll be connected to the Jewish people and to the state of Israel. It all goes together. It really so, does. Though, so that's, uh, that, that's the goal that we have. What's innovative about, what's so incredible about our program is that Israel is starting to realize that you have to reach people where they are, right. meaning you have to talk to them in their language. You have, to, you have to reach them from people who know their culture. So thank God we have, we're dealing with right now 24 communities around the world. We have six in Europe, we have uh, six in North America, and we have 12 in Latin America. And in each community, you know, the people that we're sending are, they speak Portuguese or Spanish or Polish or English. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here from calling you from West Hartford, Connecticut, <laughs> one, of our, one of our six North American communities, and we're running programs in the school. We ran programs at the Hebrew Center for the seniors. We're running programs in synagogues across the community because that's our, our mandate is to, is to strengthen the connection of the, people, the, of the of people in our communities to Israel and also to their community itself, wherever Jewish people are. That's our mandate. You know, uh, exciting program. You're raising a very, very important point, and it's really been, it really one of the hallmarks of our Torah Stone from its beginning, and that is to attract students from all around the world, from all walks of Jewish life, or every part of the globe. And now, one of the benefits, as you just described, is that you get to take 
people who, who speak different languages, who relate to different cultures, and send them to those communities, those that they understand, and those communities that understand them. And I don't think that many institutions, certainly in Israel, are able to say that, that they're able to bring uh, or send out people with a, a cultural background and a language background for different communities in different areas of the globe. Absolutely. I will tell you, I was in, I was privileged to take part in Oratora's rabbinic conference this year, Amiel's conference in Zurich. It was in Europe. We had rabbis who spoke, you know, from Slovakia and <laughs> France and Italy, you know, and, and it was just a fascinating experience to see rabbis serving in communities literally around the world, Turkey, even England, America, uh, to come together and learn about and speak about the challenges of the rabbinate in the, and how they're serving the communities and in, in dealing with the challenges that they face. So that I have absolutely correct, and Amiel Bakila is just another extension of this vision of a global responsibility for the Jewish community. I think it's fascinating. Ruben Spolter is with us, director of Art Torah Stone, Amiel Bakila. Can you name for us, I'm just curious, so I, I hope you're able to do this, I don't want to put you on the spot, the six communities in the North American area? Of course I can. So I'm in West Hartford. We just spent two days, we got here, we spent two days of the first of our seven visits. I came, I'll just explain, I, the program is that each delegation has three people. I brought, in, I brought, what, I brought a tour guide who gave talks on, on, on Yerushalayim and American connections to Yerushalayim, like, you know, in the Federation he spoke actually yesterday. I brought a musician who does a musical presentation. So from here, from West Hartford, we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, Ottawa, Canada, and then we're going to be on to Buffalo, New York. Those are our three communities. And, um, and in the south, southeast, so I have a delegation run by the very capable Rabbi Aaron Goldscheider, and uh, he is now in New Orleans. They spent three days in New Orleans. Then they're going to Charleston, South Carolina, and they'll finish up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Wow, unbelievable. We know Rabbi Goldscheider. He's amazing. And all the communities you mentioned, not to be cynical, because you know how it is when you sit in New York, but all of them have... Uh, large enough communities to make this a worthwhile venture, and I would assume you also have the cooperation of the local rabbis who help uh, help you get the people to gather together for these programs and make it worthwhile. Absolutely correct. So I'm here, I'm sitting here, I'm actually a guest of Rabbi Tibia Brander, who is the spiritual leader of the Young Israel of uh, West Hartford, and without, uh, without the, the, the help of the communities and without the, the foundation, it, it's an interesting thing, because the communities have to be large enough to be able to... to to have the programming to, to use us, to utilize us in, in the proper way. Right. You know, and so you're dealing with communities that are, we would call them not larger, you know, they're not the metropolitan areas, but they're smaller communities that have stable populations that are looking to enrich their connection to Israel and that are looking for programming that will be meaningful for their, for, their, um, for their membership. So I think that's absolutely correct. You know, it can't be so small because if it's too small, then right. you, you don't have enough to do. But it's large enough so that we want to keep our people busy and we want them interacting with, uh, with the members of the community as much as possible. You know, Rabbi Spalter, it's no secret that about 10 years from now, someone will approach you in Israel and let you know they moved to Israel because of this program. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to be honest. We are not an Aliyah program. And what I even tell people is we're not a Kira program. Right. We don't, we, we, we're, we're not in a Kira is wonderful and it's important. We are in about engaging Jews where they are on their Jewish journey. We're about meeting people and giving them enriching experiences. If someone wants to make Aliyah because they met me and because they were excited about being connected to Israel, that's great. But that's not my mandate. My mandate is to bring the beauty and the power of, 
of Judaism, of Torah, of Israel, and of Jewish culture. I mean, in my, in my job, I've met so many amazing Jewish artists that have such power and that are so, so spiritual and so incre- such incredible people. And some, some people are just moved by that. Right. And, that's, uh, you know, and that, that's an incredible thing about this program, that we reach people where they are. If they want to make Aliyah, of course, we're in favor. You know, the Jewish people, the, the state of Israel, is the homeland of the Jewish people. If they don't, and we're able to make them more connected to their community, more connected to their Jewishness, then that's been a success as well. I get all that, but to my point, when people start by being introduced to the spiritual and inspirational and Israel-related aspects that you bring to them, they can't. They can't help but grow. They can't help. That's. It seems to be either human nature or maybe even more natural for our people to do so. It just seems. Well, if, that, if it you seems want to get that, spiritual about it, I would say that that you know the the, the 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 land of Israel calls out to each of us in its own way. Right. And so the question is how each person hears that call. I heard the call. I think all of us feel it, and everybody tries to fulfill their role in the most positive way that we can. Yeah. Not only that, I think in a spiritual sense, people just tend to grow. The, the more they explore something, they don't stay stagnant. They don't, they don't just maintain your mandate. They go ahead and add even more to their lives. And believe you me, it's, 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 it's only good. I'm not, <laughs> this is in no way a criticism. It's only, uh, it's only good. I think it's an amazing... 100%. I think each of us, we do the best that we do the role that we can. You know, some would say, well, you're, you're only coming in, short visits. Uh, you know, uh, we do our job, we do the best that we can, and we leave it to prison and the Rebona Shalom to, to, to fill in the, the areas where we, you know, where we can't. And that's no. what I would say. No question about it. Rabbi Ruvain Spolter is with us. The incredible Oratora uh, Stone has a program called Amiel Bakila. How large can this get? I'm sure you're already looking at the 5779 plans. How large can this get? How many cities can... I mean, how many right goldshiders are there? How many cities can you add? Uh, okay, you, you asked two different questions. The first question <laughs> is how many cities can we add? So in the mandate of our program for the next year where we are tasked with, five, with replacing or adding, doubling our communities. Nice. Meaning it's a one-year program with an extension for each community with a, you know, for, for a certain amount of visits. But now I need to find for 5779 six more communities in North America right. who are interested. Now, interestingly enough, we already have three that have approached us. Wow. So, you know, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I'm always, you know, we'd love to hear from you. You feel free to contact me. Our, our website is amielbakila.org.il. But, you know, we're not at that stage. We're really at the stage of getting off the ground. But if you'd ask me, we're building a model. We, I believe, we believe that we're building a model that is replicable and cost-effective even for cities that aren't eligible or even, you know, one day when the, when the grant money from the state of Israel runs out, it really is a cost-effective way of having real meaningful Israel engagement for a community-wide. You know, and we're trying to build a model that we think is replicable in, in communities around the world. And I asked you uh, if it's possible to, to get a lot of high-quality staff members to take on this task as you grow. Uh, in, in my experience... I have found an, a, a, an incredible amount of talented people in Israel who really want to bring their knowledge and their abilities to communities uh, in, the, in the diaspora. Yeah. And as you well know, that there's just so many talented people in Israel, yeah. and staffing is, is, going, you know, is, is, is one of the areas in which I think we're blessed with a yeah. plethora of really, really talented educators who can bring what they, what they can bring to the table to these communities will be something special. Yeah. So the, the challenge, as you all know, is finding the artists that can go and finding, finding what we call them Israel engagers, 
people who can speak about industry or an area who can come. Logistics is always complicated. Well, that's my job, but we'll work it out. It was um, it, it was only it was slightly a rhetorical question because, frankly, I'm I'm somewhat familiar with the people that are at Ortora Stone and in general the talent that you mentioned that's available now in Israel. It is vast. It is vast. Yeah. People don't realize just how many incredible people we have and young people, younger people as well, who are just yes. so dedicated to this and have the ability to transmit all of this to to our communities around the world. It's really amazing. I can only imagine the type of people you are working with and seeing in your institutions on a daily basis. As we like to say, you know, like to express in the expression, there's a lot of talent out there, and it seems for you it's under your roof. (laughs) Thank God. What I would say is we are always looking for shlichim for candidates, especially English-speaking. Very often people who make aliyah, the the idea of doing shlichut in the the Amiel program, the idea of going out for a couple of years, it's difficult for them, yeah. but we're looking to train people who want to go back into their communities, who speak the language, who know the culture, and are willing to make that investment and, and give back to the communities in which they were raised. Well, so that's always an interesting, uh, you know, an interesting uh, area that we're looking to expand. Well, places in Connecticut and upstate New York and Louisiana and many others are benefiting from all this. Amiel Bakila is the program. It is Artura Stone. It is part of the Artura Stone Network. It's an exciting new initiative under the auspices of... Israel's Ministry of Diaspora Affairs aimed at empowering Jewish communities around the world through Jewish education, Israel engagement, and Jewish arts and culture. They are working with uh, small and mid-sized communities around the world, including here, as you heard, in the United States. And Rabbi Ruven Spolter directs the program. I I really, really hope one day you can come in here. We can have an even longer conversation about this, because I think the work you're doing is so essential to the future of the Jewish people. So, kolakavot to you. Nachum, thank you so much, and we're coming back, so we'll, we'll work out a time that works for all of us. Bezrat Hashem. So Kolakavod, best regards, everybody, Artur Stone. Amazing, Artur Stone, incredible. As I mentioned, the admiration we have for Rabbi Riskin and Rabbi Brander is uh, off the charts, and uh, this is just one example of one of the programs that emanates from their uh, from their leadership and from their institution. Uh, check it out, everybody. You can go to the website. I'm, I found it as follows, Amiel dash bakihila.org amiel a-m-i-e-l dash bakihila b-a-k-e-h-i-l-a dot org that was my conversation with Robert Ruvain Spalter on a recent edition of JM in the AM thank you so much for tuning in to JM Rewind plenty more coming up on this Tuesday here at the Nahum Siegel Network we'll speak to you again next week on the next edition of JM Rewind keep it right here at NSN